1: Well, we have Anthony Faso and Cameron Christensen, and I'm going to start things off in pointing you to uh, their website because they've been kind enough to uh, give you access to uh, some, some free resources here. So, Infinite Wealth Consultants slash REI Mastermind, and uh, you're going to see something there that's typically worth $600, and you're going to get kind of a sneak peek as to what they're talking about, but we're going to cover... This uh, phrase called "Infinite banking here today, and infinite banking is something that is kind of a mystery to a lot of people, and we want to dive a little deeper today. So really appreciate your guys's time.
2: yeah, happy to be here. Thanks for having us. You know, we just wanted just to
3: clarify with that link. It's infinitewealthconsultants.com. sure, then the backslash.
1: yeah, and uh, it's 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 gonna be a long one. so make sure you head over to the show notes. <laughs> and I'll make sure to put. Because with your domain name and my domain name, it's going to be a, a keyboard yeah, warrior a, on that one. It's um, a
2: small paragraph,
1: <laughs> yeah, so um, you know, I hate to jump into this but and and go as as elementary as as we are, but we better define what the term infinite banking actually is
3: first, great, so I go ahead and take that one infinite banking that's a concept. It's just more, it's the simplest terms, it's a cash management tool or a strategy. And what it is, because really with, let's just, let's focus on real estate investors, right? Mm -hmm. What they're typically have is they, they want to buy a house, whether they're paying cash or hopefully they're getting a mortgage and just, just paying the down payment. But they have to accumulate that down payment. So typically, maybe it takes, you know, some people faster, longer, but they put money in some sort of account, save up enough money till they buy the house. Then they buy the house and drain the account. But they want to buy more cash flowing assets. So they repeat the process, save up money till they have enough, buy another asset and drain the account. The Mm -hmm. problem is we're breaking the compound interest curve. Right. Cause we're, right. we keep on draining that account back down to zero. So, what we can do, I think most of your listeners would not want their money to ever stop compounding, or I would hope they would. But the system they're using is breaking that compound interest curve every time. And right. with the infinite banking concept, we can just add one simple step and obtain that uninterrupted compound interest. And, I know there's a lot of people, particularly lately, talking about infinite banking, but I will say this is all we do is infinite banking. We're not 401ks, mutual funds.'re we're, we're not uh, we don't have a fund to buy <laughs> uh, apartment complexes like we want to be a specialist in our sandbox. and I, I believe we're one of the best in the country. but there's a lot of people out there that and a lot of, a lot of misconceptions out there. Mm-hmm. But in the simplest terms, it's just like using a rewards credit card. Now, Jack, do you, you do you use a rewards credit card?
1: Oh yeah, of course.
3: Okay, now why why do you add that one extra step as opposed to just paying cash?
1: Well, there's a perceived value there, <laughs> you know.
3: Exactly. You're probably thinking, look, I'm going to buy this anyways. I add this one extra step, my credit card. I'm going to get some extra bonuses miles, cash back, or so forth. If you can understand that, you can understand infinite banking. Because what we say, infinite banking is like using a rewards credit card to buy real estate. Mm -hmm. And really what we're doing is we're trying to... the, The account in the example we were using, we're saving up money and then draining the account. What we're typically looking for, we need that account to be liquid meaning we have easy access to it with no penalties, no limitations. And also it's, it's safe, right? Mm-hmm. That, that is going to be there when we need it. We're not really looking for large swings of growth because we also don't want to take any losses. So really what we're doing with infinite banking, at least the way that we do it, we're just saying that that there's a better account to store your money as mm-hmm. opposed to a bank that's safe and liquid What we use are specially designed whole life uh, policies. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know if you're like me. When I first heard this and I heard whole life, I was like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Like, I hear hear that's terrible. I mean, and there's all Mm -hmm. sorts of misconceptions about whole life. Well, to be honest, some of them are actually valid. But what I like to say is that this ain't your mama's whole life insurance policy. Mm -hmm. Right where you don't have cash value for three or four years. The way we design it, you have cash value immediately. And we have clients funding their policy, turning around and taking the cash value out in in, in 30 days. So all we're saying, instead of using that account to fund your investments, we just move that account to uh, infinite banking policy. And then we use that account to do it. So That that's the rewards credit card step. That's an extra step. If you buy that, we want you to buy real estate. We're not. This isn't an either or. We're not saying put your money in life insurance or real estate or your business or the stock market, whatever that is. This is an and that you can put the money in the policy and real estate or and your business. And by doing this, you're going to get some extra bonuses instead of getting miles or cash back, you're going to get uninterrupted compound interest, which gives you more cash to do more deals. And then we just kind of continue making that passive income outside. And this whole time, we have our money that is liquid and safe, just like a bank, but it's also earning at a much higher rate of return. That rate of return is tax-free and there's going to be some level of asset protection on, on that account. Sure. So that's probably that in a in a nutshell.
1: You know, I you know I I've I've brought this up in previous episodes, but when it comes to uh, life insurance and and some of these other industries that you're referring to, and I'm going to put infinite banking. You know, the people that I've that have that do this type of service. I find that more times than not, this is an accidental profession. Like, mm. how did you guys get into this?
3: <laughs> I, well, man, <laughs> you hit that
2: right on the head.
3: You, you, you're exact. Well, let, yeah. Let,
2: let, yeah. Let me jump in there. Is uh, I I absolutely agree with that. Is uh, Anthony and I have our own personal stories of of kind of how we ended up here and being partners and stuff, um, but that was one of the things that really struck me when I first came across Infinite Banking is as you started to talk to, we started going to masterminds and talking to some of the top advisors in the country is, I don't know of any of them that really set out to be kind of an infinite banking practitioner. What you're going to find is when you start talking to them is really we were all business owners or investors and came across this strategy and almost felt an obligation to share it with people after we realized how this thing actually works. And so very perceptive. And uh, yeah, it's uh, everybody that's kind of the top advisor across the country. I don't think anybody really set out to be here. No,
1: I I wanted to spend a little time too talking about the importance of of if this is something that people want to pursue, um, how important it is to find somebody that specializes in it, because frankly, I've run into a lot of Wholesale insurance agents—that kind of—it's more of an add-on or or something that they they might have a glancing concept of, versus actually knowing how this works.
3: In fact, we actually did a video on there that is the the top five questions to ask a infinite banking agent, and we can we can send you a link to that uh, video, but infinite banking is very different than life insurance. Mm -hmm. And I think that's for one, that's why there's not a life insurance agents turn into infinite banking. Right. Or uh, it's typically just as Cameron had said, these business owners are people that are thinking differently because we do use life insurance, but we use it in such a different way than what life insurance agents are taught. Why? we think it's important that you work with somebody who lives and breathes infinite banking. Mm-hmm. And because the the design is very different than a typical whole life policy. And typically we, we, we got to get creative because typically like your mama's whole life, they say, Hey, you need a million dollars of death benefit. Well, that's going to cost you X. I mean, the way we do it, we're designing it very differently. The client will say, "Look, I have this amount of money on the side, or this amount per year," and then we try. Our question isn't how much we want to get as much cash value as possible. We're actually trying to lower the death benefit. So the, the that design is very key, but it, maybe even more important than the design is how you use it. Now. You know, most people probably have never talked to their life insurance agent you know it and basically when they get it or when somebody dies or they move right in between mm-hmm. there, there there really is no service infinite banking is the exact opposite cuz there's going to be questions okay i have this policy now how do i use it how do i Leverage that, and how? What do I use it for? And so, there's a lot more questions. So that's why it's important that you have somebody who's going to be able to answer, be able to answer those questions. And the best way to learn on how to answer those is to do them yourself. So really, Mm -hmm. whoever you use, because a lot of people say, "Look, my my uncle or my brother-in-law sells life insurance. I'm going to go to him." You totally could, but. The problem is, even if he does design it properly or she, uh, it's more importantly of how you use it, making sure that you're using it when you should and also when when you shouldn't and ways to maximize that. So you need to be with somebody who's, who's doing this personally and that they're being the best position to, to teach others.
1: Sure. You know, uh, uh, I... I... I've heard the phrase a number of times and I think you might have mentioned it earlier talking about being your own banker. You know, when it comes to this type of thing. Like can you can you explain a little bit
2: about how that that works? Yeah, absolutely. Is uh the original idea of becoming your own banker was actually came from Nelson Nash. Uh, He wrote a book that was published in 2000. It's called Become Your Own Banker. And that's the book that I first read when I got interested in this concept. And that's the one that I send most people to. It's a great resource. If somebody's going to start researching this, it's a great place to go. And in that book, what Nelson talks about is he talks about how much interest just the average person is sending financial institutions in the form of interest every single year. And he goes through and he takes the average uh, individual and he breaks down their cash flow and he says that the average person is sending 35% of their income to banks and financial institutions in the form of interest. And the strategy that he lays out in that book is is taking over some of those uh, loan payments, such as car loans, mortgages, uh, vacations, credit cards, things like that. And so that idea of becoming your own banker... um, is really where that idea stems from. And that's probably the fundamental idea. But what I would say, if to, we were to back out and look at the 30,000 foot level of infinite banking practitioners across the country, is I think that advisors typically fall in one of two camps. One, which is what Nelson kind of laid out there in his book, where we're going to go after and recapture our expenses over your lifetime. Mm -hmm. And then uh, the other camp is where Anthony and I fall into is if you look at the math and you look at some of the practicality of it, uh, we believe that it works much, much better if you're actually using uh, the cash value as collateral to go buy cash flowing and appreciating assets as opposed to recapturing kind of cars and depreciating assets.
1: Sure. No, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, Just to remind everybody, head over to uh, the website again, InfiniteWealthConsultants.com. And uh, I'll make sure to have a link in the show notes because there's going to be some free training available to you that's uh, worth quite a bit of money, $600 worth of of training there. So take advantage of that. Um, I also want to take a second and and, uh, direct people, if you haven't done so already, definitely look up their podcast, Infinite Wealth Podcast. And if, you see, if you're if you watching the video, they have the, the sign in the background. But uh, the, that's definitely something that I'm sure you guys go on a much deeper dive. And you say it's one additional step, but I mean, you based a whole podcast on the concept.
2: It was uh, Our podcast is really, I'd say it's broken up kind of 50-50 on content. of the time is Anthony and I are talking about the infinite banking concept and kind of diving deep into some of the strategies and um, uh, practical applications of it. And then the other time is uh, we feel like there's a bigger emphasis on what do we actually do with the money once we have it. And so the other half of our podcast is us identifying, you know, cash flowing opportunities for our listeners, right? Stuff that. Uh, we don't think people would typically uh, hear about. We talk about the birth strategy. We talk about single family rentals right in the Midwest. We talk about uh, a whole bunch of stuff. And so if somebody's looking uh, really kind of uh, to create that cash flow until, uh, instead of waiting until somebody's 60 years old, absolutely tune in to the podcast. We got a bunch of really good content for you.
1: Yeah, no, that's awesome. So, you know, one of the things that I I would probably assume is, is people's Thinking now is how does this compare with a self-directed IRA? Mm-hmm. Because that's a lot. A lot of uh, investors will look into that as an option as well. Okay. And are there similar restrictions?
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good question. You tee that up for me, okay? <laughs> um, I don't know how you know about my background, but I'm a self-proclaimed recovering CPA, <laughs> and so. I had my own tax firm and I uh, real quickly to share my story in 2008, myself along with my clients got punched in the gut, right? Our 401k became a 201k uh, equity in our house was gone. And that's when I went looking for alternatives to typical financial planning. And that's when I found the infinite banking concept. So I'm, I'm very familiar with, uh, with self-directed IRAs and the the main reason people use it, in my understanding, is not because that's the best account to do it. It's because that's where the money is. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, uh, and, but the downside of a self directed IRA, a particularly investing in, I, I would say, self directed IRA would be great. If you're investing in things that are taxed at the ordinary rate, if you're buying notes, doing a hard money lending, any uh, sort of those short-term that are not subject to capital gains, there's a place for them in a the self-record IRA. Okay. Real estate, the advantages of real estate, I mean, there's many advantages of real estate, but uh, uh, a couple are the tax benefits and the ability to leverage All right now those get diluted when you have them inside an ira for example you with and you probably know this but um for our listeners and for cameron (laughs) let me explain that uh (laughs) uh, a self-directed ira you can't co-sign on a loan for a mortgage on a self-directed IRA. So either you need to pay cash or you can leverage, but you're going to have to put a higher down payment and the interest rate is to be much higher. We've actually done the math and are in the process of creating some content with it where we're going to say, what if you put the money in your self-directed IRA or, and this will sound strange to somebody, but let's wait till we see the math. What if we take the money out of our self-directed IRA, pay the tax, pay the penalty, but now, now we have a smaller sum, but we're able to leverage more. Okay. Also, with the tax advantages of real estate, with the using the uh, depreciation and mortgage interest to offset your cash flow, Also, when you do go to sell it, it's going to be a uh, long-term capital gains, and maybe there's the ability to do a 1031. When you have it inside a self-directed IRA, we lose all of all of those tax advantages. We have done the math, so I kind of tell you the answer, but we're we're going to to make it look prettier, Uh, but. By taking that money out, paying the taxes, we're we're gonna to ha- create more cash flow and have a higher net worth outside the IRA because of the ability to leverage and because of the because of the tax advantages. Uh, so really we're not a fan of real estate, particularly rental or anything that's taxed as a long-term capital gain inside account that forces ordinary income. Mm-hmm. So, the real question. So, when we compare that to infinite banking, the first thing we'd have to do is get is get the money out. But we 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 are big on on doing the math. There's a lot of times we've had a concept or a strategy. And maybe it sounded good or maybe it didn't. But when we did the math, that allowed us to confirm maybe something isn't too good to be true, or maybe this isn't as bad as we, as we, uh, as, uh, we thought. So let's take this a step further because we also did the math. Hey, why don't I just buy uh, an asset? People might say, look, I don't need the death benefit. I uh, hear whole life's terrible. You know, I just want to buy real estate. I don't want to have to go through all that stuff. Totally Mm -hmm. get it. Well, we've done the math and we we do it for our clients as part of our process. Let's say you buy a property with cash. We're going to run the numbers. How much money are you going to have at the end of the day? Okay, now let's, let's, let's run it through a policy, buying the same money coming in, same money going out, but a different money at the end of the day and because we never broke the compound interest curve we can show you mathematically by buying whatever asset you you want running it through the policy you're going to have more cash at the uh, more cash at the end of the day
1: sure no you know and, and one of the things that i i think you could probably speak to pretty quickly is is the concept of you know the ira usually has some sort of restrictions Regarding how you can actually use it. You know, a good example is that, uh, you know, you can't really hold a, a property yourself in an IRA, right?
2: Yeah. They got a, if once you look at it, they have a list of private transactions. And as you start to look at it pretty quickly, you realize there's nothing for personal benefit that's on there. Mm. So anytime most of our clients are looking to purchase real estate, it's typically always for their benefit in terms of cash flow. And so uh, a lot of times, you know, the account doesn't line up with their stated goals are.
3: And one, one thing people don't fully understand is that you cannot, I mean, not co funds. So if you buy that rental property with your self-regreted IRA, and may, maybe if we use up all the cash inside the IRA to the house, and then the AC breaks... If you pay that out of pocket, th- that's a huge violation of. Th- then we start commingling funds, and there could be a large penalty on on that self directed IRA. So, we're not, we're, there's some. There are some asset classes that are ideal in the self directed IRA, and real estate is not one of them. Sure. Well, um,
1: we're going to give you i I'm going to tee up a question for you and then we're going to touch it on it here in a second, but uh, I'd like you to provide, uh, you mentioned the five questions to ask in infinite bankers and how, you know, how they can help you or, or those to, so you can make that proper educated dec- decision. But before we do, I once again want to point everybody to your, your website, InfiniteWealthConsultants.com, and there is a special URL in the show notes to, to take you to an offer that uh, that uh, they're they're making for you here today. Um, make sure to check out Infinite Wealth Podcast. But again, uh, let's circle back on that. If people are interested in this, what type of question should they ask when selecting uh, a specialist for this.
3: Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Is uh, the first one that I would recommend? I mean, you could pick any one of them, but the the first one that usually thins the herd pretty quickly is ask the advisor uh, for examples of how they've used it most recently, right? And ask them for examples. And most of them just kind of start to stumble right there. They've never actually used it or implemented the strategy in any way.
3: Yeah. So the, the first... So another one is what's their process to help support um, you using the policy? Because there's going to be some money flowing in and flowing out. I mean, they're going to need some handholding, uh, at, at least at the beginning to, to properly uh, service uh, the client using the infinite banking concept. Also, I'd want to ask them what companies they're using. Mm-hmm. We only use mutual companies, which I won't get too much in the detail, but there's really a stock company and a mutual company. Stock company is owned by stockholders. Mutual company is owned mutually by the policyholders. For us, that's a a very big deal because any business is there to create value for the owners. So the stock Mm -hmm. is there wanting to prop up the stock price but a, a mutual company isn't treated on the stock exchange. They want to make sure that the money is going to be there when their owners need it most. Um, also, let me see. I, here's a question that I, I wish more people would ask is, let me talk to a couple of your clients.
2: Because
3: mm-hmm. you talk to anybody who's trying to sell you something, they're going to take good care of you. <laughs> right? Um, but... To really know how good the service is, and particularly with infinite banking, that service is very important. I would ask people: can I, Can you give me a couple of your clients that are willing to talk to me? Then you're going to get the real deal. Uh, how it, how is the service? Or you know, uh, would you do it again? So I, I think that that's very important. And uh, I'm trying to make a list. I don't know if I remember them all, <laughs> but <laughs> there's another one. Because a lot of, uh, like as Cameron r- mentioned, Nelson Nash wrote the book, Becoming Your Own Banker. And he he's the one who coined this concept, infinite banking concept. But he's the first one to say he didn't create it. He's just, because people have been doing this for hundreds of years. He was just the first person to actually put, put it in a book and explain mm. why and to teach people how to use it. But what had happened once he did that, a lot of insurance guys were, were using that concept to sell more life insurance without properly designing it or properly using the right companies. So what Nelson did um, before he passed, he created a certification where an agent has to pass a the test. There is a code of ethics. Uh, And even now, they can't just join. They have to be mentored by somebody. Somebody has to uh, uh, be a sponsor for them to to join. And so if you're serious about this, I would only work with somebody who's certified Mm because it doesn't cost the client any more money if they use us or their Uncle Vinny or their financial planner. I mean, we get paid from the insurance company. Uh, there are some advisors who do charge uh, extra, but, uh, but we do not. Right. So if there's no cost to, uh, to the client, why would you not use somebody who's taken the time to be certified and following those, those, co- those code of ethics?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So you know uh so for my final question that uh, you know I lean into the, the concept that uh I don't know what I don't know. what uh question do you wish I would have asked you here today what,
2: what question do I wish i would I, I i I've got to hang up with our industry. That, uh, that uh, just comes to the top of mind. It's always around the wording, right? Anthony and I have talked about this quite a bit, is that uh, in our industry, uh, people mix words a lot. They use them interchangeably and they mean drastically different things. Mm-hmm. And so the three words that I'm thinking of are saving, investing, and speculating. And uh, for me, that's a big deal. Savings for us is kind of a verb. It's an action. It's moving from one account to the next. And then investing is where there's a level of due diligence, right? Mm-hmm. Where if someone's got a process for success, right? If you do A and B, then there's a very high likelihood that C is going to happen. And when you look at really successful investors, right? Their process is pretty boring, right? They have a certain set of metrics that take stuff through. And then speculating is the one that uh, is used uh, quite often, really. Speculating for us is you know something, it's an asset that has... Uh, no cash flow, no control, and no collateral. And at the end of the day, the underlying investment strategy is really just hope. And so uh, those three get changed, get used interchangeably. And uh, so I would like to uh, probably have that one be brought up a little bit more often.
3: <laughs> well, first of all, that's a very good question. Uh, I, I like it. And I'm glad I got to go second. So I got some time to think about it. <laughs> but what I wish you would have asked us is what the heck is on Cameron's shirt <laughs> okay. and if you're on the podcast we, we his shirt says pi and then the greater sign me and this is one this is a goal of our company and we follow a lot of the teaching of robert kiyosaki sure and we're we're trying to teach our clients to be financially independent not just dollars, but more importantly, cents as, as, as in knowledge. So one of, the, one of the, the sayings we have is that our goal is not to build a crazy net worth and not touch it till, till we're in our 60s. We want to follow financial freedom, just like what Robert Kiyosaki taught. And he says, financial freedom is when your passive income, abbreviated PI, is greater than the monthly expenses or M E or like, we like to say the goal, my goal is that my eye is going to be bigger than me.
1: Mm-hmm. So no, that that's yeah. so can they get your shirt somewhere too?
2: If they're a client, if they're uh, a client, if they uh, <laughs> we actually order these shirts uh, through um, uh, a company that's out of Cambodia, what they do is they actually rescue women out of the uh, uh, sex trafficking and they provide opportunities for them to work. And so um, they are on back order, so we have more shirts coming in. But if somebody would like a shirt, uh, they can certainly reach out to us at info at com. Um, sure.
3: Well, we also give them to podcast hosts that invite us <laughs> on our um, on their podcast. So we will send in you one.
1: Oh, wow, that'd be awesome. Um, so I'm going to uh, direct everybody. I'm going. You you spurred one more question, and uh, if you don't hear it, the answer in the podcast. I'm going to send you over to the Patreon uh, to to get this hidden hidden question there, and and I'm not going to hide it behind any paywall or anything. But I'm going to make you do a little hoops to, to get to it. But here's my last question. How long does it take somebody to put savings or, or you know uh, have this have this account develop before they can do something with it like how much capital or how much money do they have to put in
2: there's no there's no cap as far or minimum right is what we say is uh, what I like to tell clients is that we've got clients that put in um, maybe 25 50 bucks a month all the way up to probably close to a million dollars a year so there's no cap is how quickly we can access the money, it's almost immediately. As we have clients that make that first premium and then within the first 30 days, they're turning around and they're accessing the cash value and they're putting it to work. And that's what we would prefer to see, right? Is we want dollars moving instead of sitting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, We've got many, many examples of clients coming with kind of lump sums, especially real estate investors. And we can kind of dump that money into a policy and we can have access to you know, greater than 90% of that. One thing
3: I will add if uh, what I found of a, min- not really a minimum, but really to make this worthwhile, right? Because we need to have, you, you can maybe do it for a hundred dollars a month, but the more you put in, the more you can use, right? So mm-hmm. what I, I like, what kind of I found of a rule of thumb for this to, the minimum for this still to make sense to have some cash would be, um 10 times your age per month. So if you're 40, that would be $400 a month or you know and so forth. So but we we do often work with people that 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 are putting in less, but that's kind of what I found is is like a sweet spot to start. Sure.
1: Well guys, uh, this has been a great conversation. I appreciate you instilling this down to to digestible pieces for us. Um, and, uh, I will make sure to include all of those links in the show notes. Uh, but, uh, as far as I'm concerned, you you have an open invite. If you ever want to come back.
2: Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. And, uh, we'd love to extend an invite onto our show as well. We'd love to have you. Yeah,
1: yeah that'd be fun.
3: So thank you again.
2: Thanks. Go make it a fantastic
3: day.
0: This has been the REI Mastermind Network.